This is AMWA Diversity Dialogues, an interdisciplinary podcast designed to facilitate unfiltered conversations highlighting disparities in medicine and population health and what we can do about it. The contents of this podcast do not convey medical advice for patients or treating healthcare physicians. Views and opinions expressed herein are our own and do not represent those of institutions with whom we are affiliated. Thank you for tuning in to another installment of AMWA Diversity Dialogue. Today, I am excited to be joined by two resident physicians from our section of diversity and inclusion. Today, we have with us Mary Jean Loso. She is a PGY2 neurology resident from Vanderbilt University Medical Center. She completed her undergraduate at Tulane University in neuroscience and psychology and completed her medical degree at Oakland University William Beaumont School of Medicine. She has been involved with AMWA since her first year of medical school serving as her chapter's community service chair. She then became one of the national medical student co-chairs for the section of diversity and inclusion. As a medical student, she fell in love with clinical neurology and acute neurologic emergencies. She is undecided in her career plans, but her long-term goal is to continue work as a community clinician in advancing patient care, patient education, and bridging divides in outstanding health inequities. Welcome, Dr. Mary Jean Loso. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right. And so I'd also like to introduce Dr. Daima Cintron. She is a MedPeds PGY3 resident from the University of Puerto Rico Medical Sciences Campus. She completed her undergraduate molecular biology degree at the University of Puerto Rico Rio Piedras campus and was honored to receive an NIH undergraduate scholarship and become exposed to clinical research early in her career. During her medical school training, she built on this passion by completing a master's in clinical and translational research at Mayo Clinic. She became involved with AMWA's diversity and inclusion committee in her third year of medical school, collaborating on multiple projects. As a medical student, she fell in love with both pediatric and adult patients and decided to pursue a med-ped specialty and stay in Puerto Rico for her training. She will be applying next year to become a combined adult and pediatric rheumatologist. Her long-term goal is to continue patient care and translational research in an academic setting. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Daima Centron. Thank you for coming on with us today. <laughs> You're happy to be here. All right. So I want to mention before we get started that uh, the idea behind diversity dialogues started with Mary Jean uh, in her med school career when she would do these interviews with different uh, different people, different physicians about diversity and inclusion topics. So we, we owe this platform to you, <laughs> you know, so thank you so much for starting that. And, you know, we were able to convert these interviews from, uh, you know, written 
and just audio into this podcast platform. So we're, we're very grateful for you for seeing that vision early on. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, these questions. Um, so uh, Mary Jean, you're in your second year. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how it was for you transitioning from a medical student into, you know, last year being your intern year and, and what that looked like for you with the change of responsibilities and, you know, how your how you changed your learning techniques and so forth. Yeah, so I definitely have been in the past three years have been in three different transitionary roles um, as a medical student, then to an intern, and then for me specifically for neurology, um, I interned in internal medicine, and then I switched to become a neurology resident. So um, I've kind of had three different phases back to back. After graduating medical school, you know, I think one of the, the things I felt was, you know, I felt, you know, academically very strong in terms of knowledge and in terms of, you know, book smarts. Um, and then intern year hits you and you, um, you have to deal with a lot of things that I think are part of the fun surprises of medicine, um, is that you're not only treating things like you would, you know, answer something on a test or read out of a, a textbook, but you're dealing with, with people and you're the first line of defense. Um, you know, the interns are the first people to show up to the hospital or oftentimes the last ones to leave. And, um, you really learn the, the beginning of what it means to be responsible for someone else's care. Um, and also to be the first person to answer. Um, oftentimes, um, I know in my experience, you know, the intern holds the pager. Um, so every little thing that comes up, um, for the primary team, comes through you first. Um, and that can be shell shocking, um, realizing that you do have a responsibility not only to respond to these things, but to be responsible for figuring out what to do. Um, okay. and so there's a lot of learned, um, responsibility. There's a lot of on the job training and there's a lot of learning how to be flexible because each patient is different and each person is different. Um, and you learn to go with the flow in that sense. Um, and then from another standpoint, you're learning from your patients. Um, you know, you're, you're lucky if your patients present themselves like they would in a textbook, but oftentimes you really are having to triage whether or not your, you know, diagnostic accuracy clinically um, is, is right. And so you are learning how to deal with um, how and what is appropriate to work up in a hospital versus outside of the hospital, as well as um, thinking of things like healthcare costs um, and what's feasible for your patients. And if your patients are from a different background or they're from too far away, how can you make things um, efficient and smooth for them? And so there's a lot of things that you have to learn in these transitionary roles um, that you uh, you don't necessarily get a you don't get a, a presentation or a PowerPoint about how to do this. All uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Daima, would you like to talk about your experience so far, um, your past intern year, um, but, you know, over these last uh, two to three years, you know, what has your experience been like in your transition from the medical student role into the physician role? Right, so I would have to agree with everything just Mary Jane just mentioned. I think, you know, being a, a resident is a huge shift 
from being a medical student, just the perspective and the commitment with your patients will change drastically on that first day in the job. Um, as you grow as in residency and you go up your training level, there will definitely be more responsibility bestowed upon you. So a PGY-1 has a certain role, but a PGY-2 is probably supervising an intern and then sort of making more of the clinical decisions, playing a bigger role in the social component of the patient, what particular aspects do we need to address in this patient's care. So every year has been a very humbling year, particularly me as a MedCubes resident, because we do know a lot as medical students, but you learn a lot more as a resident. And then the field, you realize that you know a lot, but there's still so much more that you need to learn eventually. So it's a very humbling experience, a very humbling uh, field. And I guess as you grow into residency, you learn more about responsibility and system-based practice. What type of studies should we do? How do we make this an affordable um, encounter with our patient? How do we best follow this patient in the outpatient setting? So mm -hmm. it's ever-growing. Right. <laughs> it's good to, to see you guys, you know, you know, sounding and looking still sane and still functioning because every time I talk to, uh, you know, my friends that are ahead of me and I'm, you know, applying for residency for next year, <laughs> I talk to them and they're just like, yeah, I'm tired, <laughs> you know, or, but it, it's good to see that it's, it's doable because, you know, going from a medical student, you know, you, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around, being responsible, you know, fully <laughs> for anything. So that's good to see that, you know, right. you guys were able, you know, you're transitioning very well into, into the role. Uh, so uh, let's talk about how you have built, uh, you know, how you've made patient connections with uh, both of you come from diverse backgrounds and, you know, what has that experience been for you with, uh, you know, other diverse patients or just interacting with your patients in general? Is there any, you know, benefits to your diverse background? It helps you with communicating with different types of patients. Um, either of you can choose to answer when you, what you, you feel ready. Right, so I think... As a, so I trained, my most of my training has been in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and I am Puerto Rican. So I've been very lucky to train in a setting where I'm, ex I'm around people from my same ethnic background. We speak the same language. We have the same cultural kind of, um, you know, background. So other things about your encounters become important. What sex is my patient? What age? Where, where does this patient come from? What part of the island? Um, do they have the educational level to understand what I'm explaining to them? Am I using terms that are maybe too complicated? Mm -hmm. So you start you start realizing that every patient encounter is very different. Every patient is a different book. And you have to really adapt to that. And I think that's why diversity is so important because it's just so much more than our skin color, our language. Um, every patient encounter is very complex. And being diverse gives you an edge. Right. But I think definitely diversity has helped me have better interactions with my patients and eventually translate that into better outcomes, which is what I want for my patients, for them to be healthy, for them to not be hospitalized. So, Right. 
Mary Jane? Yeah, I would say, you know, I actually am maybe a little opposite to uh, Daima in, that, uh, in the setting that I've kind of lived a pretty global life. Uh, my parents are immigrants, um, and, um, you know, I was um, originally Canadian, and so I have also lived technically in another country. And so, um, and I've also lived in both the North and the South and the East and the West, and I've traveled a lot. Um, and with that is the, uh, the benefit of dealing with all types of people. And so my life is very full of experiences of all kinds. Um, and, and with that, I've actually found it to be very beneficial for me, especially, um, I think in academia for us in training, we spend a lot of time with people that are similar to us in an academic way. Um, it can be sometimes difficult to see um, how your patients are going to be every kind of person you maybe don't have immediate access to because you're you know, stuck in the world of training. Um, and so I have had several instances in which my life experiences or my my travel or my um, relation to having, you know, immigrants in my family and having um, had friends from all over have really keyed me into some cultural differences. Um, when I was in college, I had taken medical anthropology and I had taken cultural medicine in medical school, but I, I don't even really think it was those things that guided me. I think it was the small nuances of family dynamics or, you know, how, you know, one patient, you know, maybe there's a hierarchy in the family of who speaks or there's a dynamic of who is supposed to know what's going on and who's not. Um, or if the patient is quiet, what, you know, how do you kind of key into that body language, things like that. Um, and I think that can be, you know, be considered a social science, but there's a lot of diversity in the setting that these are nuances that you are not taught. Um, cause there's no like medical, correlation with them, but you can miss things um, and you can find very significant things about your patients um, and kind of know the, at least how to work with them um, and make sure that they are having um, a relationship with you that is uh, a partnership. Because um, in the end, you want to make sure that you've done the best for someone and that they understand you and you understand them. And so I think keying into those things have been very important um, when you're thinking about your patient as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's... Right, and I, well, like, ahead. I'm a pediatrician yeah. as well, so I feel sometimes, you know, yeah. interacting with your patient is not really that complicated. Sometimes with my teenagers, what type of music I like, or what type of Netflix show I'm watching is enough to have a really significant patient encounter and really have a patient-centered approach to how we talk about their healthcare condition or the healthcare plan, so... Diversity is, is very, like, very small things will be significant when you are having that encounter with your Right. Yeah, th this uh, topic of, like, communicating with your patients has been, like, on my mind for a while now. Um, I, you know, I had the opportunity to be on the other side of healthcare when my grandfather was sick. And so, you know, he's a Jamaican older and you know he passed away recently but while he was in the hospital you know they're talking to him you know the, the physicians are talking to him the nurses are talking to him he has a strong accent they don't know what he's saying <laughs> and they're just like oh, okay 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 you know and I found that if I wasn't there to you know to kind of advocate and hear what was going on we wouldn't really 
know much of the details because they're, you know, people are talking to him and they don't realize that he doesn't really understand what they're saying to come back and tell us, you know. And that was very, a very difficult experience in, you know, the diversity of it, you know, like, you know, the cultural differences for, you know, for people to understand each other. And since then, I've just thought about it like, you know, there's a lot of times that things get missed and, you know, maybe patient care isn't optimal because of these issues, you know, and it's not any one particular fault. You know, these are just the realities of the situation. We're going to be from different backgrounds. And so, you know, there's going to be these these mishaps. But I wonder all the time how we can reduce this, you know, what what we could do to make these these uh, exchanges a little bit more smooth. <laughs> so that's just something that I think about a lot, you know, over over the last few years. <laughs> so you both are have been involved with AMWA uh, in the diversity and inclusion section since your medical school career and you continue to do so. Are there any uh, projects that you're working on right now within the section? that you want to talk about or or anything that you've done in the past that you know that's implemented now or that you know you want to highlight go ahead Daima oh yeah residency has been keeping us very busy (laughs) but I think as I started in AMWA as a medical student it was very exciting uh Mary Jane was very involved and Dr. Agarwal was very excited about sort of opening up the diversity and inclusion uh, component within our national conference. And I remember that year it was exciting. All three of us, all the medical students that were part of the committee met on our national conference and we sort of built a proposal and made it happen about getting a diversity and inclusion award to an abstract that highlighted diversity. And such a simple project was so important to us because we just created a conversation about diversity on research projects that were being presented on the National Conference. So I thought that was a very simple project. It was exciting. um, And it's something that was feasible and and, uh, a very cool project to work on as a medical student. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think um, and, and a part of what happened with that as well was the, um, the beginning of the national excellence in diversity um, and inclusion research that we did, um, Diamond did, and I did as medical students. Um, part of what we wanted to be able to do is highlight um, the, the active research that people were doing in diverse and inclusive aspects of their research. Um, and, you know, with the honesty that a lot of research requires funding. And so what we did was we used a lot of our resources from our treasury department um, and advocated for um, a scholarship for medical students to incentivize them and reward them for their hard work because the research that they would be doing would be beneficial. And then um, having them come present their work um, and be able to network um, and advocate for the research that they're doing at a national level at AMWA. And so that's one of the things that we um, really enjoy doing because then we were also creating a community of people who now saw that the research that they were doing was being recognized at a national level. Mm-hmm. 
since then, um, Dime and I have transitioned. There is a residency section of AMWA, um, and um, this year they've um, installed the diversity and inclusion um, committee section. And so um, Dime and I are not medical students anymore, and so we have now um, you know, kind of you know fit into this role. Um, and so from that perspective, the residency section has a leadership um, a board that's very similar to the medical students um, and to the board of directors. Um, and so, you know, we actively are on those monthly conferences that they have, um, all via Zoom now, of course. Um, and um, it's, it's very exciting to see the transitional role of how residents um, think about the things that they need to do. So a lot of the programs that they've been hosting this year are um, panels for um, for residency. So they've been hosting different medical student or resident panels for medical students about, you know, different residencies, how to prepare for interviews, how to pre uh, prepare your CV and all types of things. And so it's, it's a, a lot of extending your mentorship very quickly. Um, when you're just kind of still in the middle of it yourself. And so that's been very exciting as well. Um, and then again, working for mentorship from the other direction as well. We're now learning how to network with attendings, thinking about fellowships um, and thinking about where we're going from here as well. Um, and so it, it's been exciting to transition to this role um, as a resident um, and think about the ways that we can you know, now be uh, different types of leaders for other people. Right. Well, that's really good because mentorship is definitely uh, important in in our our field, and you know we'll we'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> but uh, I wanted you mentioned you know like everything being on Zoom now, so you know we're we're obviously you know the elephant in the room or in the world is that we're in a pandemic and you know. How how has that been, you know, you know, in your residency experience this year? You know, what what has what have the changes been and how are you adjusting? How are each of you adjusting? Uh, Daima, do you want to start with that? Well, let's first talk about our skincare routines now <laughs> with our mask me. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So it's uh, definitely, you know, it's been a health crisis, a reality we're living. And I think as a resident, you really have to step up your game uh, by protecting yourself, but also keep doing your job. Even when, you know, um, people are staying home, you have to go to the hospital and take care of your patients. So, um and really being an advocate for your patients at a time where maybe not as many specialists are evaluating your patient, not as many studies are happening because a lot of imaging centers are not seeing as many patients or asking for more COVID testing. Um, so it, it's really changed the dynamics of how we are going to treat our patients, how we are going to have them see a specialist, follow up on imaging studies, follow up on outpatient clinics when we know they may not be accessible because the number of outpatient clinics, uh, patients being evaluated every day has decreased significantly. Um, it's definitely been a challenge. I've grown. I definitely feel like I'm a better physician because of the things that I'm living as a resident. And I've definitely learned a lot about my COVID positive patients I've been there for them. 
uh, I've been with the family members of these patients as more of an internal medicine component because a pediatric patient, we're not having the same frequency of cases, but, uh, you know, it definitely does take an emotional toll on every resident because it's not an easy patient. They're not, they're not easy patients to take care of. Right. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for me, you know, initially it was a, a bit surreal. Um, I was in the middle of intern year, and for, for me and in my experience, that was, you know, part of the longer hours of, of what I've had so far. And so um, from a personal standpoint, it didn't change that much because I still had to, you know, report to the hospital. I was still taking care of patients. Um, at that point, I was working, you know, so many hours a week so that, you know, my, my radius of travel was so small. It's not like I kind of saw things changing around me anyway. Um, but to kind of have that, um, you know, that, that perspective of what was changing in the news and then seeing things change in the hospital, but still being very much responsible for active patients that don't have COVID and not losing sight of the fact that there is, you know, regular medicine to be um, be doing, but again, like Dima said, you know, the context of patients in the out, um, in the outpatient setting or those with elective surgeries or those that, um, you know, their care was, um, very much impacted in the setting of COVID, you know, because they didn't have COVID. Um, and then again, seeing, you know, health inequities show themselves in full force and kind of feeling, um, like there's so much going on at one time and it's very hard to keep up with it. Um, but being able to feel prepared and responsible enough to explain what you can and what you do know to patients um, and their families in the setting of uncertainty. Um, and then again, as a physician being in a, in a leadership role, because, you know, as residents, you know, we, you know, there is still an academic learning you know, experience and, and you have a lot of other trainees around you, but oftentimes you may be, you know, if there's not someone else calling the patients or the patient's family, it's you. Um, and so being able to communicate things appropriately to them as well um, has been um, a, a very humbling learning process as well as, um, like Dima mentioned, you know, the own personal risk that you have, but realizing that this is an oath that you kind of, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, this is kind of not something no one expected. And here right. we are kind of dealing with those real kind of existential questions of what um, we have, have taken an oath to do. Mm -hmm. It's very, very interesting. Right. Yeah, I, I, I honestly cannot imagine um, what, you know, you guys and other healthcare workers who are actually, you know, in the hospitals have been dealing with over these past few months, you know, as a student, you know, I basically got dropped from all of my <laughs> rotations around March, you know, and, you know, I was, I only had one, one left at that point, but, you know, you know, maybe for me, it will, you know, for students, of course, you want to protect students. We don't, you know, we, we didn't have to be in the setting for the most part, but I, I really, you know, hearing the stories and seeing, you know, footage and my sister, she is a, an ICU nurse and she, you know, after a certain point, she, she was like, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just too much, you know, too much fatalities, just too much to see. And, you know, that brings me to my next uh, question for you is how have you been 
maintaining, you know, like a work life balance as well as, you know, keeping up with your your mental health, you know, during, you know, this time, especially, you know, what does that look like (laughs) for you? Either you can go ahead and one or two cups of wine every now and <laughs> every now and then, um, right? <laughs> um, for me, I feel like I wrote a a small opinion paper and I like submitted it to a small um, newsletter that the Med Page Association has about one of my patients. Very sad story of one of my patients with COVID. But I felt after writing it so much better just because I felt like I could write everything that I felt with that patient, all the disparities that he lived through, all the things that were stopped because he had a COVID positive, you know, he was a COVID positive case. So definitely sort of, it has helped me to verbalize how I feel with other co-residents, um, with friends, with close family members, I feel this is a burden for everyone and communication has been you know, for us to open up. And I mean, Zoom and all these electronic platforms, online platforms have helped stay connected and, you know, find ways to communicate the burden and sort of laugh things out a little bit and, and keep every day going one after the other, mm-hmm. one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, pre-COVID, I uh, definitely always, as much as I could, um, after properly resting, is uh, prioritized, um, you know, those that are are very important to me in my life. And, um, you know, I was lucky pre-COVID to have people visit me, um, being able to visit friends, um, being able to talk to people over the phone and communicate um, with people on social media. Um, And then, you know, given the pandemic and having to have a lot of social restrictions and social distancing, you know, in some ways didn't change much for me in residency because, you know, there was was not as much social circle. (laughs) You know, fewer options of places that I can go, but it's not like I was going to probably be going anyway. It it did make... um, connection um a little bit more difficult um and i think also it it was interesting being there for other people who aren't used to the kind of i guess social restriction that we normally have in residency and so being able to be present for people whether it's on zoom or phone calls or social media um has also been um therapeutic as well you know you're be comforting other people and you're being present for other people in the ways that, um, you're already used to doing. Um, and so, um, you know, I've been hiking a lot and walking outside and, um, I recently developed an interest in playing tennis because it's a very good social distancing sport. Um, still getting to exercise since gyms aren't open, you know, I had to be very creative. Um, and then in learning how to, you know, entertain yourself in different ways and it's just been really interesting but um it's uh it's it's a learning process yeah one thing yeah one thing I have noticed is that and I I kind of admire or you know one little positive thing I can take during this is that people are finding you know creative ways to to spend time with each other with their families outside of the confines of their home you know walking in the park hiking it seems like, you know, people are really getting more exercise in <laughs> that, I, that I've noticed, especially now that they can't go to the gym or, you know, so that's, that's good 
at least during this time for I think a lot of people's lives have changed, you know, even if they haven't been directly impacted. A lot of people have changed the way that they view, you know, certain, you know, basic things that we do every day. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the future looks like for us, you know, moving forward. So uh, I think definitely why well, I want to say that definitely something that I do see positive that I think we're going to really build a strong we're going to be a strong generation. We've lived through a really, really hard situation. Right. And I think the future is only going to be better because you're going to have a strong physician, nurses, healthcare workers, innovative ways of providing acute healthcare solutions to problems that come really quickly right. that are big community, you know, outbreaks. So I think medicine is changing and so is science and the future is only going to bring positive things. You just have to really overcome this big limitation. Though. Right. Yeah. All right. I think we've we've covered a lot for today. Um, any last, uh, any, you know what, any advice that you might have, any small advice you might have for someone like me going into residency next year? Um, you know, just in general, anything that you learned that you want to share just briefly and for any other um, fourth year or medical, any medical students going into this career can, uh, can take from this. <laughs> uh, Mary Jean, you want to start with that? Um, yeah, sure. So I can, um, I'm going to pull from something that actually was just posted. Um, I was posted in the AMWA resident quarterly that's um, online on the um, AMWA website. And it was just something that they asked me um, they, they kind of did a, um, a spotlight um, for, for me and I was able to kind of talk about the diversity and inclusion section as well as some advice I had for women in medicine in yeah. general. And, um, it was to stay close to your passions um, that you have both inside and outside of medicine. Um, but to remember that the journey that you are on right now requires different phases and different stages of you. Um, and, and that would just, you know, essentially kind of like growing pains, you know, at some point you're going to have to do some things just a little different, um, or new to get to where you're going. Um, and that when you find your passion, there's always going to be a resolve to press forward, um, to follow your pursuits. Um, and then last but not least to look always for ways to help other people and um, never forget that there are hands to help you as well. Um, healthcare and medicine is a team sport um, and to never forget that you, you have people to help you. You're not alone. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And Bye. enjoy your fourth year. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say sleep, go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I enjoy your free time because right. residency will definitely keep you busy. Yeah. But I agree with everything Mary Jane has said. Stay, just look, look for your passion. It's easier said than done because sometimes you like a bunch of stuff at the same time. But stay, really listen to your personal thought. Do that introspection. Find what you're passionate about and stay true to yourself. Like running, make sure you keep running as part of your routine. You like listening to music, watching TV. Just try to find the balance and it'll be a dynamic process. You will grow when you need to and you'll realize that the path was even better than the final destinations. All right. Thank you so much, uh, both of you. I mean, 
I've I've been inspired by having this conversation with you both, you know, um, being on the brink of residency for next year. And, you know, yeah, I've definitely been trying to I've recently completed a CK. So I'm trying to enjoy my free time now. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm in Florida, so I, I get to go to the beach a bit. <laughs> So I want to thank nice. you both for for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be here with me on this podcast. I know that I learned a lot from talking to you today, and I know our listeners will feel the same. So thank you again, Dr. Dima Centron and Dr. Mary Jean Loso for being here. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Thank you, guys. AMWA Diversity Dialogues is a podcast created by the Section of Diversity and Inclusion from the American Medical Women's Association. Thanks for tuning in.